Welcome everyone to the, to the third podcast of uh, The Beautiful Maze. And I want to start with a poem called Neurasthenia by Mary F. Robinson, who I consider to be within the Champions League tier of um, 19th century poets. I watch the happier people of the house come in and out and talk and go their ways. I sit and gaze at them. I cannot rouse my heavy mind to share their busy days. I watch them glide like skaters on a stream across the brilliant surface of the world. What I am underneath, they do not dream how deep below the eddying flood is whirled. They cannot come to me, nor I to them, but if a mightier arm could reach and save, should I forget the tide I had to stem? Should I like these ignore the abysmal wave? Yes, in the radiant air, how could I know how black it is, how fast it is below? Now, Mary F. Robinson, she suffered from depression, and although our podcast is more about anxiety, uh, I think it's safe to say that um, anxiety and depression do uh, uh, kind of walk hand in hand to some to some degree. Um, yeah, certainly can do. I'm not quite sure how to react to that poem, to be honest. I'm still processing the emotions of your poem. I didn't expect you to start with a poem even, so what a moment <laughs> that was. <laughs> I said she was 19th century, but in practice, I think she straddled the um, 19th and 20th centuries. Not many people know about her. She's a she's a bit of a lesser known poet, but who uh, is she? Uh, Mary F. Robinson. Name? Full name is Agnes Mary Francis Duclos. Born in Royal Leamington Spa, died in Aurillac in France. But she, you know, she was one of these poem, poets who suffered from uh, mental health issues. And I think in her poetry, there's a lot of empathy for. Uh, other people. Um, she wrote a lot about um, poverty caused by the depression, which happened towards the end of the 19th century. Um, but she lived uh, to a good, good long age. She's an interesting, interesting woman. There's no, um, there's no photo of her. She's got, despite the fact that you'd expect with someone who dies in 1944 for them to be there to be some kind of um, good po- uh, photo of them. There's nothing. There's just a few sketches. Mary F. Robinson. So, Chief, mm. let's uh, review our interventions. How, how's your week been in general? All right, really, yeah. Weather was a lot better. Got out and did some running. It was, um, yeah. I set myself, yeah, I set myself two goals. One was to do yoga every day again. One was to make a massive step change in the nonsense I was feeding myself. Um, now, with the latter, how did you manage on. with that in the context of pancake day? Because that's got to be a challenge. All right. So I allowed myself to join in with Pancake Day. And then as of the morning after, started my healthy diet. I didn't go completely mental on Pancake Day, but I did have some pancakes. What's your favorite pancake? Do you know what? I know this is really boring, but the standard lemon and sugar on Pancake Day. Same. Exactly the same. You can't go wrong. Yeah. When you have the fluffy American pancakes, I like maple syrup on them. But when they're the standard crepes, I want the sugar and lemon. I don't think anything can beat a good listener. If if you can suggest a better simple pancake than a lemon and sugar, please email thebeautifulmates at gmail.com because for <laughs> me that's that's the best that's the best pancake. Laura did one that had um jam and also icing sugar on which was quite she said her 
grandma used to give it to when she was a kid. So probably as much the happy memories as it was the taste, but she seemed to like it anyway. Yeah. So anyway, the, the diet as of Wednesday morning has gone really well. I've basically not broken the rules. I've not put any junk food, no crisps, no biscuits, no chocolates, no cakes, no sweets. You know, I'm still, I'm not like starving myself. I'm still eating full meals. I'm just not eating junk. So I feel so much better, so much better already. Feels healthier and I've got more energy already. Um, the yoga, I'm still doing it quite well. I missed the odd day. The reason being, I was really in pain. Like, you know, I'm not supple and fit in the sense of yoga at all. There's muscles getting stretched and used that I've basically not used for decades. So although I'm like medium level sporty, you know, I do do some exercise. I'm just not using those muscles at all. I can't. So anyway, it was just too painful. So I took a couple of days off here and there, but I'm still doing it and it still helps. So I'm going to keep going both of these. You got me thinking about a patient today who highlighted the importance of diets, not only in her own mood. Uh, uh, and we all know that diet has an impact on how we feel um, because of the m- many different things, the fluctuations in, in blood sugar. Uh, now, I, I deal with inflammation, inflammation in the eye and inflammation in the body. And diets can really impact um, inflammation and autoimmunity. That's when our body essentially attacks itself and is the, is the, is the origin of lots of different uh, diseases. So this patient was saying, and, you, and what she's saying is based on, on evidence, it's, it's true that the diet can impact her disease and her flares mm-hmm. of, of the inflammation. And she was finding that she was eating lots of sugar, lots of chocolates, and it was generating flares of her eye inflammation, her uveitis, yeah. uh, which I found really fascinating uh, when you hear it from the patient themselves, because from my perspective as a, as a doctor and, and someone who's interested in science, what I know about the diet is, is how um, the effects on the microbiome that's the bacteria the, you know millions of different billions of different yeah. bacteria that we share our bodies with how they can modulate our in, our immune response to different things mm-hmm. and how that affects uh, diseases that we're predisposed to or our response to viruses to bacteria and fungi have you ever listened to the rich roll podcast no no i haven't you could it's really he does a whole thing about the microbiome microbiome fascinating I'll send you a link. It's fascinating. Let's not be advertising too many other podcast <laughs> enough fledged <laughs> link. <laughs> no, that's all right. He might he might advertise us back. All right. Okay. What who was that again? Sorry. Rich, rich Roll. He's, rich no, he's like really he's so famous. He we're like we're like an amoeba in his universe. All right. Well, you never know. We could be we could grow from an amoeba to a multi We could be, a, we could be his friend one day, couldn't we? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, and with a diet, I've got to say, I'm, I'm also someone who sometimes suffers from the odds dietary, um, uh, flaw. And, uh, I've changed that over the last few weeks, not, you know, just, just by deciding not to get any takeaways, which has really impacted my energy levels. Mm. Um, perhaps I should have chosen that as one of my topics for, one of my goals for this podcast, but instead I chose something else, which was in the first week not to nap. And I managed six out of seven in the first week. And then because I didn't get seven out of seven, I challenged myself in the second week. Unfortunately, I got five out of seven. So I, I slept a bit last week. 
It's not um, a disgrace though. It's not a disgrace now because before that I was napping three or four times a week once I'd finished my, my shifts. Um, so hopefully at some point I'll be able to nail that, but I, I still want to continue that as a goal. Second goal was social media and spending less time on that. Um, I think I've marginally spent less time on social media, but I haven't achieved the success I wanted. I really wanted to spend much less time on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, which I th- which for me I think is some you know it's useful for certain things. You can get a, you can find um, that you obtain a wholesome experience on social media by meeting people of the same of a similar mindset to you you know on the other side of the coin that it can also become an echo chamber and your own viewpoints become just um potentiated and regurgitated back to you but you can learn lots of different things about your your, your, the field that you work about life about um society at the same time you can just lose loads of time looking at random stuff and all feeling envious about people who are you know being successful and advertising on social media yeah but one of the i always think about this augmented reality uh, this is one of the things that annoyed me the most when i was on these various forms of social media is you're comparing your everyday reality to the tiniest snapshot of someone's best moment because you know every you know your own life inside out and this is and i'm going to massively sweepingly generalize here and in of clearly in many many cases this isn't how it works but in some you know there's a profile photo of somebody standing next to a maserati in dubai but in reality that was one day on a holiday they took in a 10-year period and really they live with their mom in birkenhead and take the bus to work do you know what I'm saying? But you're comparing yourself to someone standing next to Maserati in Dubai. And you, I know I'm exaggerating, but there's not always the full picture. I've seen a thing where it had like a, a child idyllically drawing on the kitchen, you know, like doing painting on the kitchen table, not painting the table, painting a piece of paper on top of the kitchen table. And then, but that was what they'd shown on social media, but then it zoomed out to the bit that hadn't been, they cropped the middle of the picture, if you know what I mean. And actually in the picture, the mum was crying in desperation. The sibling was weeing in a plant pot and the dog was eating the curtain. <laughs> All that was shown in the middle was this idyllic child painting on the kitchen table. And yeah. there's a real danger that what you're comparing, like you, you have a, fast, you have a f- fantastic life to others. Yeah. And, and a lot a lot of us would if you just show the highlights real but in reality we all just normal people that have got highlights and we've also got lowlights do you know what i mean that's the danger of social media isn't it it um propagates that very small um window or glance that people want to show in in, in their lives mm. and then people who consume it then feel an emptiness which they shouldn't really feel Exactly. You don't know. There's a million things we don't know about people's lives. Like you just never know what's going on and no one has it all. Do you know what I mean? I just think this is, I don't know. There's some sweeping generalizations and probably some falsehoods in what I'm saying here. But for me, 
you're not necessarily comparing yourself to the truth and it doesn't make yourself make you feel good to think, oh, this person's done this and that person's done that. When in reality, maybe they're just normal people who have challenges like everyone else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was a stat today which um, came in, in, all, in all the British broadsheet newspapers, The Guardian, The Telegraph, The Times. And I read this in my lunch break at work and I was very, very surprised and worried about this. And it says about 7% of UK children have attempted suicide by the age of 17. Yeah, I saw that as well. I read that. I was absolutely appalled. It's shocking. Shocking. It's one in, almost one in, one in 13. Yeah, absolutely uh, shocking. So in any uh, given class in school, there's either two or three. And that's, you know, and that's, that's a, that, that I've read the analysis. That's 19,000 young people were, were surveyed here. And I'm not sure what, you know, you can never be entirely sh- sure what the, um, what the cohort is. But still, whatever, wherever you get that cohort from, 19,000 young people were surveyed. And the question was, if they'd ever hurt themselves on purpose in an attempt to end their lives, and then 7% replied yes. It's absolutely shocking. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, obviously, that's the last year. So we've had this pandemic, which has really impacted it, all of us. Um, and do you think social media has also has a, has a part to play in this? Personally, I'm absolutely convinced it is, yeah. Well, I think we're on our generation, well, not, you know, our generation and younger generations. It's like a mental health epidemic. I, I think, and what's the difference? Like, it's just always on. There's nowhere to like, the mind doesn't rest. Yeah. How many people, the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is grab their phone and scroll through aimless pictures of people next to Maseratis in Dubai. Or That's me. Showing you what they I, for- I do that. I wake <laughs> up in the morning and I go on Instagram see what's going on and then throughout the day it's constantly on never stops in any form 24-hour news cycle it's always on and what do they do for the last two hours of the day lying in bed with blue light penetrating their eyes telling them how many people had a bottle of champagne in tokyo this weekend or whatever you know what i mean like yeah it's just destroying our minds like human mind isn't built to take in that level of information i was i was one of the first people who signed up for the facebook Back I remember 2005. It, it was when yeah. there were only three universities. Yeah, um, well, we, we were ahead them. of the curve, weren't we? We, we? we had the early beta testing, didn't we? Yeah. And I was, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was worried about how much of your information you can share with people then. But I, I had no idea at all how all encompassing it, it, it would become. It was like a few a few universities here and a lot of Americans, and that was it. Yeah. You had Express. no idea it would become like you could billions of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then for that one, that first year, it's called the Facebook, and it it it, it started in Harvard, obviously, and then mm-hmm. Yale, and before going to the other American universities, it spread to Oxford and Cambridge, mm-hmm. and then it spread throughout the rest of the the states. Yeah. We got beta tested, but it was, you could see even then, couldn't you, that it was weird and yeah. had, there was just dynamics to it that, that didn't feel normal. As in, it's not normal to know this information about people. It's just not normal. 
anyway, just it's become normalized now. But you just can you step back and think actually, you know, somebody you you went out with 15 years ago, should you be connected to each other, no information about each other's lives, or someone you went you happen yeah. to be in primary school with and haven't spoken to since? It should you, it just doesn't seem the human brain can the human brain take that number of amount of information and relationships in into it? Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I'm giving you a very one-sided thing. No, Maybe no. we should get someone on who loves social media and look, but I, you know that. But that's I the majority of people in, in some ways. You're, you're. I mean, you're, you're. I suppose unique, and that's the question. You know, you've been off social media now for the best part of a decade. Yeah. How difficult was that decision to make, and what what prompted you to make that? I made the decision about five different times. I came I came off Facebook about four or five times. I had it for that year when we were like the, the testing year. And then at the end of the year, I just quit it because it was thought it was doing my head in. 2005. Like four, five, yeah, 2005. And then I had a few little stabs at it over the years. In the end, I just was like, this is causing me, whenever I go on it, nothing other than anxiety. Like it doesn't give me information that I want. And it's just making me stressed and it making me feel rubbish about my life. And I was like, in the cold light of day, I actually quite like my life. So why should I feel crap about it? Just because someone's portraying them. So maybe they've done really well for themselves and good for them. Maybe they haven't. And maybe they're just portraying a fake image. It doesn't matter. I just felt, why, why do I want to sit here and scroll through my phone being made to question my own decisions in my own life? I don't want to feel like that. So in the end, and it, does not, it doesn't mean I don't like the people that are on there. I would say 90% of the people I do like that was on my Facebook just didn't feel that I was wait, using my time wisely, like waking up and scrolling through this stuff and just felt it was just dragging me down. So I just thought, you know what? The people that I want to keep in touch with, that I really want to keep in touch with, I can definitely achieve that between texting, phoning, WhatsApp, emails, actually meeting them in human person. I can achieve enough contact that I'm not going to lose the friends I care about. So I don't need it. I just don't need it. And I have to say it has been a massive help and I, I do feel better for it, but I'm not, you know, my aimless rant isn't going to shut down social media, but just as an individual, it helped. I think, I think you should give your um, intervention a few more goes because I, I don't think your sample size is big enough to feel the difference. Like I think you did make an effort and you reduced your amount of, social media but it wasn't by enough or for long enough to feel a difference yeah like if you reduced it from say i don't i'm making this up say how many hours a day do you think you give to social media honest as you can probably three hours a day three hours easily right. a day. yeah so reduce it from three to one every day so you've lost 14 hours a week of dead time on social media they're gone you've got them back they're back in your life you can use them in any way you want I could learn a language. You could learn a language. Could you learn, could become a yogi. You could finally learn Esperanto. <laughs> Most use, useless language in the world. No. Sorry, Esperanto linguists. It's useful. Um, learn Chinese. That'd be useful. Chinese would be useful in this. I'd like to speak Chinese. This day and age. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Try it again. Seriously, it again. like, give it... If you, if you did, because I'm not telling you to like go completely cold turkey and lose all contact with the things you need, you do want to have. But if you took it from three 
to one and you were strict, really strict on one hour maximum between Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and whatever else is out there. I've got a one hour limit, seven days a week for a month. I really would like to see how, because this is interesting for me as someone that's not been on social media for quite a long time. I want to, I'd love to see the impact it does, it has on you. Yeah. And if, the, if you come to the end of it and you think it's made no difference, then fine. But I, I'd really, I think it will. We're going to go for it. We're going to go for it, guys. All right, team. Next, this is next why, this pause. Is why we're doing it. Let's, let's see if we can reduce, if I can reduce that time on social media. I reckon it's possible. I just need to push myself because it, it does, you know, it saps time out of me and it's better spent in other ways. Yeah. And that includes, you know, that that's Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, all the other more random ones, forums as well. Mm. And uh, everywhere that, everywhere is a time sponge. Yeah. Then it doing more wholesome activities. Okay, any other goals for you for 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 this week, Andrew? Or, or well, should we just focus on the ones we've already achieved? Yeah, I think I need to keep the two I've got because if I stick, honestly, if I stick with the diet and the yoga, if I stuck with that for a month, I think it already that alone would be a great start. I really do. Yeah. And what? So you've got the social media. And what was the other one? And napping. Oh, the napping. The napping. Yeah. I want to, there's one which is a bit more kind of nebulous in terms of the achievability of it, which is, which is to dampen an emotion. And, but I do think it requires conscious effort and the emotion is mm. envy. Envy. Mm. Definitely. Not, not jealousy, but envy. Envy is a poisonous emotion. Yes. Um, Cause it is nothing good. There's no, it's just not got any use has it. It's just poisonous. Precisely. I had a, so this, this week I was randomly on social media. Again, that's one of the sources of the struggle for me. So my, my chair is creaking. I do apologize if anyone can hear the creaks in my chair. Um, that's not intended. So uh, someone in my year in medical school um, has become a, a big correspondent on CNN. Uh, speaking about the pandemic and becoming a kind of famous um, pundit. And from one perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of her. And another perspective, I'm, I'm, a, I'm somewhat envious because I covet her um, achieved talent in that she's being successful in various different fields, not just as a, as a television presenter, but also writing and uh, academia. And what I perceive to be things that I suppose it's not, you know, it's, it's not fortune because however you, you view it, she's worked very hard and has achieved success, but just feeling envious, so not jealous, not feeling that she deserves it rather than me, but feeling that envious in that I feel I um, should also be, I suppose, striving to achieve success. 
I mean, there's a lot to unpack in that. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. That's... Because it... Yeah. Are you absolutely sure you would want that? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But it's possible. The grass is always greener mentality. Because there are so many factors in, in... Go on, carry on. You feel what you don't quite have in your hands is something you want to have in your hands, even if you don't keep it in your reach. Yeah, because you just don't know the wider... You, you don't know about that person's wider life. It could be fantastic and happy. It might not be. We don't know any of the, these factors other than the fact that she's been successful. Yeah. But you don't know those things about their life. And there are things... I always think everything's like a balance. It's just... You can't have everything. So there are things you're able to achieve. I mean, obviously this person's had to go and live in America to do this job. There's things that you achieve by being here, maybe in terms of your family and friends that you could never have achieved if you'd gone to another continent. You know, I don't know. And that. Yeah, but that you are right in the sense that it's still you're recognizing that the emotion isn't. Yeah, emo- I agree. It's- the the emotion isn't right, and I know this. Yeah. And if there's any listener here listening, uh, of, of which we know we have the same number for our second podcast as our first, so hopefully we've got a couple of listeners. You know, we all know that feelings of comparing yourself with other people are never productive feelings because you know, life, our life on this planet is finite. And when we compare ourselves to others, as exactly you said earlier, we're just comparing ourselves to our image of the best, the best of Mm -hmm. these people, which is portrayed in a little snapshot. We don't Mm -hmm. know the ins and outs of, of people. We don't know the battles, the fights that they have on a, on, on, on a basis during the day. You know, we don't know if they experience emotions like Mary F. Robinson, who boy or cancer was a very successful writer and poet, but was also very much tormented mm-hmm. uh, as a person. So. You just don't know, do you? And exactly. I mean, you know what, even if someone does do great and good for them, I don't, I just think basically It doesn't make any difference to who you are and what you do. And it's you're absolutely right to highlight it as something. It's just such a poisonous emotion. And it doesn't help you feel good about yourself at all. And also it's like, if you're talking about achievements, either academically or career-wise or whatever those things might be that people consider those achievements, 99% of people would look at you and could feel envy about the things you've achieved but yet you're feeling envy. To, and maybe this person that you highlighted your example could be feeling envy. You know what I mean? It's just, it's the emotions probably illogical and, and unhealthy. Yeah. It doesn't work logically, does it? So I think yeah. it's a great thing to want to overcome that feeling. And yeah. I, I'm not, not preaching at you. Like I've had countless times I've felt that emotion. And I'm not saying I'm any different. I'm just saying I, I agree that it's um, something to be great to not have to be good to it just overcome it yeah 
Do you know what I mean? There's lots of other emotions that sometimes, okay, they're just normal part of life, but I think envy is something that's just never good. And that's, you know, and that that's what the social media is propagating, I guess, you know, Instagram for mm. young women just shows all these images of, you know, ridiculous situations, uh, mm. a model just, you know, on the side of an infinity pool in, in Singapore or something. Fucking nonsense, um, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's absolute nonsense. You're just, just there, like, you know, studying for your NVQ in Southport, and you're spending your time looking at pictures of Instagram models in an infinity pool in Singapore. It's absolute nonsense. These poor people having to compare themselves to this garbage. Just yeah. Nonsense, isn't it? Kind of a... Oh, anyway. We, we agree anyway. Yeah. Um, I hope someone that works for Instagram doesn't hear this and start hating us. I hope not. <laughs> anyway, we're only doing it for so fun, isn't it? In the United Kingdom, our our lockdown is about to end. Those of us who are sh- shielding have to shield until the end of uh, March. It's very difficult for lots of people because of the mixed messages that we're receiving uh, about different things. So. It's hard to plan life, you know, some today there was, again, mixed messages which affect people who want to book holidays later on in the year. And a lot of people are thinking, oh, now now it's safe for me to book holidays because cases are dropping and hopefully we'll all be vaccinated. But the reality may be be different and and who knows what's going to happen. That that uncertainty is a a burden for lots of different people. You experience that because... um, You've got four children um, who are, you know, and school is, a, is an issue. And our plan at the moment in this country is to start school with a, what have they called it? With a big bang. Big bang. Big bang, know? 8th of March. Yeah, 8th of March. Well, let's hope they don't big bang them back into quarantine after about four days like they did last time. One day. No, after, right, I tell you what, last time we had them, in, read them off school from about the, what was it? 20th of March last year, something like that. Yeah. Until the middle of September, I think, because they slightly staggered the classes going back. And poor Autumn Searsha, my second child, got put into quarantine on day three. After seven <laughs> months of being off school, she lasted three days and got put into quarantine. So Autumn Searsha was not happy. <laughs> awesome. So let's hope awesome we don't Saoirse. get anything like that. Yeah, although she was happy because her football team won on the weekend, if we're allowed to say that. Her blue-coloured Merseyside team beats the red-coloured. I hope I don't. I hope we don't lose any listeners there. Um, <laughs> of the of the five we've got, we've just lost three. Yeah, oh, that'd be a shame. That'd be a shame. That'd be a massive shame if we lose. <laughs> Over I mean, the, the law of statistics, we're more likely to have Liverpool fans yeah. than Everton because there's probably just more of them in the world. There are. But my, my daughter is an Evertonian and she's quite happy to be one. Nothing but the best is, is acceptable. I tried, <laughs> tried to explain to her the last time this had happened that Everton won at Anfield. I was like 16, but she just couldn't grasp this concept at all. She, it was just an alien concept to her. In her head, it's quite normal that Everton win at Anfield now because she's, <laughs> she's young enough that it's now happened early enough that it feels normal. Yeah. Anyway, 
So I'm sure she's letting herself in for a life of bitterness and pain by being an Evertonian. <laughs> well, anyway, at least, at least she can go to the games. It's only around the corner. Listeners, um, our next podcast will be about the impact of um, exercise and the short, shorter, medium and, and long-term effects of um, the feedback loop, which, which arises from just doing a bit of regular sports, which is yeah. very difficult for, for many of us in the context of lockdown, especially those of us who have to, sh- to shield, um, which at the moment in, in, in our country, in the United Kingdom is almost um, 4 million people. Mm. Um, but we'll be speaking to a, a guest from the United States of America. So, um, she's not American. Sorry, she's from Grimsby. From Grimsby. <laughs> so we'll be speaking to a guest from the uh, from Grimsby, which is the city um, uh, featured in <laughs> a, a very recent Sasha Baron Cohen film. Yeah, you uh, can leave that in. She'll find that funny that you thought she was American. Um, I want to leave with a quote from the Israeli historian Yuval Noah Harari uh, about conspiracy theories, because we're in an era of um, conspiracies and people, in some ways, rightfully rebelling against the status quo, but perhaps sometimes gravitating towards um alternative media which may not be quite um verified i guess mm. but he says we should not despite we should not dismiss conspiracy theories too easily as they often represent deep and sometimes justified fears that humans have so that's our next hopefully a theme for the podcast after mm. which will be on conspiracy theories and the fact that both you and I have had to challenge friends who believe in some quite outlandish conspiracy theories. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look forward to it. Great. See you right. next week, folks. Anyway, it's it's Dr. Nima's birthday this week, so happy birthday, Dr. Oh, thank Nima. Thank you so much, thank you. It's an unbirthday for me because I, I have one every four years. I'm a leap year. Some people consider it to be a fake birthday as well, so. <laughs> Happy. I disagree nine and a quarter. Yeah. Thank you, nine and a quarter. Thank you very much, Andrew. Andrew. All right, Chief. See, see everyone. <laughs>